again, I'm thankful for the prayer that was offered by Brother Dwayne publicly on our behalf and would ask that you would continue to pray this morning for not only me but for yourself that God would be glorified and that we would be edified and that God's word will make a powerful difference in our lives. There's been times in the past when those things did take place and there was revival among God's people in the land and we certainly could use such a revival in this day and time. My thoughts this past week have been very scattered, very not really settled on any particular thing to uh, speak about, but uh, <clears throat> when Brother Stephen called me yesterday, uh, my mind seemed to wander far for what I've been studying. As this song goes, heaven is my home. How many of us live every day in this world like heaven is our home? You know, it really is. Abraham made it clear we're nothing more than pilgrims and strangers here upon the earth. He continually looked for a city with foundations whose builder and maker was God. You know, our focus uh, can be distorted in this world continuously. The Lord be my help this morning, but when <clears throat> we get started, I want to speak about salvation, a, a subject that we're all very familiar with, one that we as primitive Baptists have a far different outlook on than, than other folks. We believe in what we call the uh, sovereign doctrines of grace. We believe in sovereign grace, meaning that God done all the saving and we done all the sinning. That's not the perception that many have, but <clears throat> we find that the Bible gives us too many outright teachings that that is so. Our, our God is in the heavens and he done whatsoever he hath pleased. You know, he's not depending upon puny man to fulfill his will. He doesn't have a broken and bleeding heart wishing that you would do the right thing. Because none of us would do the right thing if that were the case. Isaiah 64 makes that extremely clear. We're all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Every one of us. But notice this. And we all do fade as a leaf. Not some of us, not a certain group of us. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. That's all of us. It's all inclusive. You know, we believe in the doctrine of election, and we may get into that just a little bit, because it's taught and spoken of over 33, 35 times in the New Testament. You can't ignore the doctrine of election. You can't ignore the doctrine of predestination because it's in the Word of God. You can overlook it. You can try to preach it away, teach it away, but many do. You see, sometimes even we as God's children do not reverence God, nor do we reverence God's Word in the way that we should. That means to be humbly submissive and stand in awe of an almighty, all-powerful God who said, let there be light, and there was light. That's what God said. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Our God is in the heavens. He's done whatsoever he hath pleased. There's none that can control him. There's none that can stop him. None whatsoever. But many people approach the word of God as rationalist. In other words, they want to rationalize things. They want to 
what, what it amounts to, if they can't understand it or reason it out, they don't believe it. God didn't tell you to understand it, did he? He told you to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. God never told us that we'd understand everything that was written in his word. But he told us to trust him with everything we have. Trust is something. Trust is faith. You know, when you think about being irrational and think about faith, there's one thing that I can bring, and I believe it'll apply to every one of us. It certainly applies to me. I have never been able to understand or reason out how God never had a beginning. He never had a start. I can go somewhere with something that started and, and give some hope for continuing on, but, but to never had a beginning of days, to never had a starting point, from everlasting to everlasting, that is the God that you and I serve. I don't have the ability to believe that, but I trust what the Lord said. He's been from everlasting to everlasting. He never had a starting point. He's always been. I don't understand it. I cannot any, in, in any magnitude reason that out. There's no reasoning within my finite mind that I can understand that. The problem that we have when it comes to the Word of God is, is what we can't comprehend, we try to rationalize sometimes. Sometimes we take Scripture out of context or we have it to say something that it doesn't say. We're told in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, For she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's about as easy to understand as any verse in the entire Bible. There's going to be someone born to the Virgin Mary, and they're going to call his name Jesus. There's three prophecies, I believe, declared in that one verse. Two of them have already been completely fulfilled, and in the mind and purpose of God, they've all been fulfilled. But there may be those children of grace that are still being born down through time that have not had that application applied to their life. They've not been born again of the Spirit of God. But in the purpose and mind of God, it's as sure as done. It's not dependent upon puny man and his efforts to accept God, to make the right decision. You see, God is not standing idly by wishing that the sinner would do something. Because the Bible tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. We're told in John chapter 3 and verse, I believe it's 19, this is the condemnation that light is coming into the world. Light, the Lord Jesus Christ. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The Bible will tell you that you can educate the fool and you can draw him out of darkness. But the Bible teaches me that there is no one that can draw anyone out of darkness other than Almighty God and His Almighty power. It takes the power of a sovereign God to bring the heart of a wretched, bankrupt sinner out of darkness into His marvelous light. For she shall bring forth a son. That happened. We have not only the biblical record, we have all the records that you can go back to. There was a, a man born to the Virgin Mary. Some of them might have said he wasn't a virgin, but you know the angel came to Joseph. Joseph questioned that himself. He questioned whether she had been with another man. But the angel said, fear not to marry her. He told her that 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 was with her was of the Holy Ghost. She was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. You know, you talk about something that we can't understand a reason out. There's another one. You know, if you're a rationalist, you'll, you'll never be able to reason out or to understand what God says. Many things. They're beyond the finite mind. The infinite cannot, I mean, the finite cannot understand the infinite. You know, you and I are born into boundaries. But we're told this in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. And those boundaries that you and I live in are time. Have you ever noticed 
It's always time to do something. Always. Time is the biggest thing in your life. It's time to eat. It's time to go to sleep. It's time to take a shower. It's time to get up. It's time to check on the children. It's time to do something. That never ends. Maybe a few hours in the night, if you can stay asleep long enough, you, you, you lose sight of time for just a little bit. But a lot of times, if you like me, it's time to get up and go to the restroom in the middle of the night. You know, it, it's always time to do something. We live within those barriers of time, but God lives outside those barriers of time. I want you to notice a verse that kind of gives us some light in Deuteronomy chapter 29. There are secret things. I believe that God has a secret will and he has a revealed will. I certainly believe that if you read this verse. Uh, the 29th cha uh, chapter of Deuteronomy, the 29th verse, it says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and unto our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. God gave you everything that you know. You know, so many people, when they approach the word of God, they... They come with a, their decision already made on what they believe. This is what I believe, and I'm going to try to form the word of God into believing uh, what I say. For she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus. We know that was fulfilled because his name was called Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. That's what that word means. For he shall save his people from their sins. In the King James Version of the Bible that we read, in the original English, the shalls and the wills have not been removed. When the word shall is found in the Bible, it means there's no possibility of failure. He shall save his people from their sins. There's no possibility that there will be one for whom Jesus died that will not be saved and live with him in glory. Not one. He shall save his people from their sins. Now, we know that he was born. We know that he was called Jesus. We know that he has saved his people. Some of them may not have had that application. Some of them may not have been born into life yet. But we know that he has done all that he said he would do. We know that we have hope. You know, I thought about this this morning and, you know, the tragedies that we go through in life and how precious salvation is to us. You know, the older you get, the more precious it becomes. I believe that. You know, we have a lot of wounds in life. We have a lot of sores in life. Some of those wounds will begin to heal up a little bit in this life, but then some of those sores seem to fester on and on and on in life. We have a lot of scars. That's how life is. Life is like sailing a ship across the ocean. Some days the water may be calm. Some days the water may be a great tempest. There may be great swells and waves and, and you wonder if you're going to get across. Tragedies come in life and you wonder if you're going to be able to get beyond those tragedies. But the Bible tells us that not only do are we saved eternally by the Lord Jesus Christ, there's deliverance in this time. One of those deliverances is, is hope. Romans chapter 8 says that we are saved by hope. You're not saved into heaven eternally by hope. You're saved from the trials and the tribulations. You're saved from the problems in this life by hope, by hope of eternal life, by hope of being in a place. You know, the Bible tells us a little bit about heaven. Uh, it says it'll be a place, and, and what it does tell me is all I need to know, and I think it's all you need to know. I don't know if there'll be mountains and trees. God created them, and he said it was good, and he said it was very good. Maybe there will be, maybe there won't be. I, I can't tell you that. 
But it says there will be a place where you'll never shed another tear. Right there is a great beginning, isn't it? You'll never shed another tear. You'll never have any sorrow. Them two things right there ought to get you excited. Heaven is my home, as the song said. Not this earth. Sometimes we want to drive our stake so deep in the earth that we think we're going to live here forever. But it's appointed once unto man to die and then the judgment. We're going to die if the Lord doesn't come back. The Bible tells us that there are some who are, will be alive and remain, but, but most of us are going to pass from this life. We're also told that there will be no more pain or suffering in heaven. You won't wake up with a, a sleepless nights. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches me that you'll be filled with immaculate joy and peace that will never stray from you again for eternity. If that don't begin to cite you, I don't know what will. Then it tells us in the Word of God there will be no more death. You know, death is one of our greatest struggles in life, is it not? They die too young. We miss them when they die old. They die tragically. You know, I don't know what will happen to the two that I spoke of this morning, Lord willing, and, and I'm praying that, that they will be spared, but there are times in life where I say I wish they would have took the young man's life. You know, my sister's nephew's that way. He was 20-something years old. He'd been going to Texas A&M, and he had a head-on collision here in Lubbock and didn't have a scratch on him. He's lived in a nursing home now for the last six or seven years. He can't do anything, and he's never going to be able to, you know. There are things in life worse than death. David said, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's to be us. We walk in that shadow every day. We're not promised today. We're not promised tomorrow. You know, there's folks that are here today. They may not be in this congregation. They may not be in your family, but there's folks on this earth who will be here tomorrow for many, many different reasons. That's why I'm telling you we need to set our sights on heaven and upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon our eternal salvation. That should be your focus every day because we're getting closer. You know, the older you get and the more pains and the more trials and the more sores and, and wounds and scars you have from behind, the more prepared you are to go and be with your Lord. A great day of healing. You know, we don't know what perfect is. We don't know what perfect love is, but we will one day. We're going to be fashioned like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. There'll be no more sleepless nights. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more crying. You'll be full of peace and joy, and you know it's almost beyond belief, is it not? But that was revealed to us in the Word of God. So we know it's right. We're told in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He promised eternal life before the world began. Back over in Matthew 1 and 21, it says, For he shall save his people from their sins. Do you know his is a personal possessive pronoun? Many people tell you that Jesus Christ died for the entire human race. If he did, the entire human race is going to heaven because he saved them from their sin. He didn't make a partial payment, a down payment. He saved them from their sins. But even those who declare this, who try to overlook the doctrine of election and declare universal atonement, they will tell you that there will be many folks 
separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. It can't be. You can't have it both ways. Either Jesus died for all the elect and saved them, or he died for the entire human race. The Bible tells each and every one of us, I don't care whether you said here or in another congregation, that there's going to be folks that are not going to be with God in heaven. First of all, this is where you talk about reading things into the Bible, preconceived ideas and notions. Romans chapter 9 says, For Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Another simple, very simple text. Hatred is the opposite of love. You go over to Malachi chapter 3 and it says he hated them. Or he had indignation against them forever. Indignation is extreme hatred. If it was forever, that tells me that he never did love them. He never loved Esau. And he didn't choose Jacob because he was a better fellow. He sure didn't. For the children not being born yet in the 11th verse having done neither, neither any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. You know, some people can't grab their mind around that, but just let the scripture speak to you as the scripture is read. Quit trying to read things into it. Quit entering into the scripture with a preconceived notion. He shall save his people from their sins. I declare unto you that he'll save everyone that was given to him by the Father. Who is his people? That's what's under consideration. Who is his people? We're told over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Paul says, according as he has chosen us in him, in Jesus Christ, that we should, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I want you to think about this. If you declare today that Jesus, uh, uh, that God chose the entire human race in Jesus Christ, how could any of them go to hell? Because they are viewed as holy and blameless in the sight of Almighty God. But the Bible declares there will be a multitude that are separated from God and live eternity in hell. A place where the worm dieth not and the fire never goes out. I'm not here to preach hell and damnation by any means. I'm here to declare that Jesus Christ was victorious at the cross of Calvary. He didn't go there and make a down payment. He didn't go there and try to do something that was impossible uh, for man to do, he went and done what we couldn't do. You know, the Jews tried to abstain righteousness or establish righteousness by the law, and they couldn't. You and I can't either. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have carried us, every one of us, away. You know that if we could establish our own righteousness or paid for any part of our salvation, Jesus would have never, ever had to come. For hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless and perfect. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our sins were imputed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And his righteousness was imputed to us. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That you should be holy. I don't feel very holy to you. I don't feel very blameless. And if God was looking at you and me and wasn't looking at us through the, his son, the shed blood of his son, that's where we would be. We'd be blamed for everything. We'd be in condemnation. 
But Jesus Christ came and he paid the penalty and removed the guilt. And he rose on the third day for our justification. We're justified. I don't feel very holy. I don't feel very blameless. I've committed so many sins in my life against the Lord. But we weren't saved based on our good works. For it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he hath saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know, one of the biggest and most confusing texts in all the Bible that is a go-to text for most everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to listen to that. First of all, the word world does not mean the entire human race. The word world is spoken of over 70 times just in the book of John. Matter of fact, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me. He didn't pray for the entire Adamic world. 1 John chapter 2 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Well, if Jesus died for the entire world, we should love the entire world. We should pray for the entire world, right? Now, we are to pray for our enemies. We're to pray for those that are less fortunate. But the world under consideration is taken out of context. In the prior 15 verses, Jesus taught Nicodemus about the new birth. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. He goes on to say, Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter in. Unless you're born of the Spirit of God and washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. But the lesson that he taught Nicodemus there, Nicodemus just said, uh, Can I enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born again? Jesus said, Marvel not that I said you must be born again. He says, "No more. Just as you had nothing to do with your natural birth, you have nothing to do with your spiritual birth. That right there is, is something that people have a hard time understanding. They can't reason it out. And therefore, they don't believe it. If we're trying to rationalize the scriptures, we're not going to understand. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit of God. Can you see the wind? None of us see the wind. We see the dirt in the wind. We see the tree leaves blowing everywhere. See the branches moving. But no naked eye could ever see the wind. No naked eye can see the Spirit of God. When God's sovereign grace touches the heart of dead alien sinner, we see the changes. There's a change that comes to that individual's life, man, woman, or child. We see the effects of being born of the Spirit of God. Believing is not something that you just do. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ already believes is born of God. Not whosoever will come to believe or learn to believe or be taught to believe. Belief is something that is given to you in the new birth. God empowers you to believe upon his holy and righteous name. Whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on in the next verses after verse 16 in John chapter 3 and he begins to explain these things. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But you know, a lot of men think you can do something to provoke men to come out of that evil state. 
that state of deadness and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you it's impossible. It's impossible. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 2, and verse 14, the nat- says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolish unto him. Psalms 53, God, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's why the things of God are foolish just unto the man who's not born of the Spirit of God. It goes on in verse 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, it says, uh, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Read the last portion of second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Unless you're born of the Spirit of God, you never will be able to understand spiritual things. I can't preach spiritual things to you. I can't change your heart. But when God has given you a heart to believe and a heart to understand, then you're able to receive those things. He shall save his people from their sins. As we go through the difficulties of life, as life changes when we get older, as we have more aches and pains and no telling what else may come to us, as we lose more loved ones, it's a hope of eternal salvation that keeps us moving forward. We're told in the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrew, it is the anchor of our soul. That hope of heaven, heaven is my home, is the anchor of our soul. And when you're young, you don't see that like you do when you get older. Because you have more battle wounds. You have more scars. Maybe you feel worse. Doesn't mean you're ready to pass right now. But I tell you, the longer you live, the closer you'll get to that wanting that day to come. I promise you. There'll be a time you want to go home. You want to rid yourself of this sinful body and the troubles that this life has. And be in the presence of Jesus Christ, a place of pure peace and joy and holiness forever. All of us have a tale to tell. And we're told that in the 90th Psalms. Not everybody has the same circumstances. Not everybody has the same tragedy. But friends, I'm here to tell you, we all have tribulation. For in this world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. He overcome it. When he took our sins and they were nailed to the cross. He shall save his people from their sins. The 111th Psalms in the 9th verse says he sent redemption unto his people. The father sent his son. The son is the redeemer. He sent redemption unto who? His people. He didn't send it unto the entire human race. He sent it unto his people. He shall save his people. Don't forget that. He has a people. They were given to him by the Father. They were chosen him before the foundation of the world. We're told in John 6 and 37, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. Of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Friends, I preach unto you a victorious Savior. One who saved everyone he came to save. Everyone he died for. And we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed at that last day. Troubles are a part of life. They're an everyday part of life. But the salvation that we have. Secured for us. By our Savior Jesus Christ. Is that hope and the anchor of our soul. That delivers us time and time again. 
Even when we have pains and get older, it keeps us going down the road because we know that heaven is our home, as that song said. You know, David said it like this. Reminds me a whole lot of what's going on. David was a type of Christ. 2 Samuel 23 and 5, he says, Although my house be not so with God. He said, and David's house wasn't. He had an unruly house. He had a house of folks that wasn't together. They wasn't in harmony. Uh, you would think he wasn't a very good father. But also the house of the Lord is not as it should be. No way. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. That covenant that was made was not made between God and man. It was made between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. God set them apart. First verse of Jude says, I'm writing to them who are sanctified by the Potter, Father. Sanctified by God, set apart for a holy purpose. Preserved in Jesus Christ and called. We're kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed at the last day, Peter said. We're preserved in Jesus Christ. And everyone who was chosen in Christ, everyone who shall be saved because they're his people, shall be called out of darkness into their marvelous light somewhere between the time they're conceived in their mother's womb and the time they close their eyes in death. You go read the two accounts of the two that were nailed Side by side, the two thieves on Jesus Christ. In Matthew's account, they were both railing. But in Luke's account, there was something happened. Something happened. He wasn't preached to. He didn't get the Bible read to him. We believe in what's called immediate regeneration of the soul. God spoke and it was done. God commanded and it stood fast. He began to speak of the Lord in a whole different life, the one on the right hand. And he said, this day, he asked the Lord, remember me thou that... And when thou goest into thy kingdom, and he said, this day thou shalt be, with not, not in the future, not somewhere down the road, but this day thou shalt be in paradise with me. The Bible tells us that heaven is a place called paradise. Like I said, I don't have all the answers to what everything will look like. I'm like anyone else, I wonder, but I tell you, just knowing that you'll never shed another tear, just knowing that you'll have no more pain or sorrow, that you'll never cry, that you'll never have another sleepless night, that there'll be no more death. Like I said, death is something that we struggle with in a tremendous way, all of us. The young, the old, the tragic, it happens, and it happens every day to someone. And thank be to God if it hadn't happened. Thank him every day for his watch care over you, for keeping you safe and bringing you home. You know, we was in there talking in the foyer this morning, talking about... Uh, Brother Darrell and Brother Keith about cars going up and down the road and some of them coming down the wrong side of the highway when they're going to work in the morning. I mean, every day we take our life in our own hands when we get into a, a vehicle. It's by God's sovereign grace that we're still here. My times are in thy hand, as David said. Our times are in his hand, too. He is a sovereign God. He sent his son to save those that he chose in him before the foundation of the world. David said, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant God chose them, Jesus agreed to die for them, and the Holy Ghost said, I'll call every one of them out of darkness into my marvelous light. He said, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure. There's no way the covenant of grace will ever fail because God ordered it. He wasn't dependent upon man. He's not dependent upon man today because if he was, not one of us would go to heaven. 
We can't fill up our end of the bargain. Never could and never will be able to. It's ordered in all things and sure. And David said, this is all my salvation and all my desire, though he make it not to grow. That's an important part of that verse. God's not sitting around wondering how many more will be added to the family of God. Friends, their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Jesus came and took care of the legal part of the law by paying the sin debt that you and I couldn't pay, removing the guilt from us, and one day we're going to live with him in glory. That's the most certain thing I can address to you today. And that's living in heaven with peace and joy and no more death. That's what keeps us going. That's the hope that we have, the anchor of our soul. When tragedy strikes, and it will, we've not seen the last tragic situation or just the last death. We've not seen the last time somebody will be financially ruined. I mean, whatever our problems are, they continue to, to come on, like the storms, like the thunderstorms, hurricanes. We have them every year, and they don't stop. They keep coming year in and year out. But the God that we serve never changes, and he's able to do above and beyond what we think. He gives us the hope to go on. He delivers us time and time again. I, I encourage you to, to always keep that in mind. Keep those thoughts there. Our time on this earth is short. James said our life is but a vapor that appears but a little time and vanishes away. When I was 20 and 30 years old, I, it sure didn't seem that way. But I tell you what, since then it's really vanished away. And it's vanishing, it's vanishing is getting accelerating, you might say, as time goes on uh, I remember the day that I didn't think I'd ever get to be uh, retirement age. Well, I'll be 65 in April, and I don't know if that's retirement age, but that seemed a long, long ways off not long ago. But how swiftly time has passed and how things have changed. And one thing about it, I've seen the trials and troubles of my own life. I've seen them in many other folks' life. And we need to pray that God would give us the grace to handle whatever comes our way and to help us along the way as we go through this journey in life. But to keep our eyes focused upon our home, which is in heaven. It's not here on the earth. We're here for just a very, very short time. But one day you're going to be where you're supposed to be. And you're never going to have another bad day. And I look forward to the day. May God bless you as my prayer this morning.